Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. My name is Cody. My name is Eddie. And I'm Alec. What okay. are we talking about today? <laughs> today, uh, we are have the distinctive privilege of <laughs> discussing the fleetingness of worldly goods. But quick, a first word from our sponsors. Worldly goods. <laughs> if you're looking for desires, look no further than in our company, Worldly Goods. If you're looking to have your desires not fulfilled, then yeah. <laughs> if you want cheap satisfaction, if you want something easy, quick, you're going to get kind of what you want, but not all of it. Look no further. <laughs> Are you looking? Brief enjoyment followed by misery. <laughs> we've got just the thing <laughs> um so that's not what we're talking about obviously we're talking about how that is n- well i that guess is ca- that is the case <laughs> um but what so what's let's define our terms a little bit here what do we mean by fleeting define fleeting you, you define fleeting you define fleeting <laughs> it's a large group of ships <laughs> all, all, all coming together <laughs> amassing together in a bay spaceships or sea ships doesn't matter or relationships the best ships are friendships <laughs> <laughs> uh fleeting i think we would take to mean this passing right it doesn't stay i think that's that's enough yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I, I think it's as soon as you get it, it's already leaving. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I like that. Yeah, that's good. It's like filling up a cup of water with a hole in it, right? It's already it's already leaving you. Very good. Yes, good. Snaps snaps for Alec. <laughs> so, do we, we want to look up the Webster's definition, or we want to just roll with that, or should we put in a letter to the editor and say that I, you should change it? <laughs> I think we're cool to roll with that because it lasting for a very short time. This is probably the closest fade away be transitory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but I think, yeah, like, I think you said, especially how it is, uh, we're going to be talking about it. it. It does seem to be leaving as soon as you get it. So we're going to, we're going to roll with that. Um, but the things of the world, the desires of the world, they are not, they don't last. And I think a lot of people spend most of their energy trying to attain worldly goods when in reality they do not last. Which I don't think is even an argument specifically from a Catholic perspective that people land on, right? Because a lot of people from a lot of cultures and a lot of thought ideologies come to this idea that you're not going to be on your deathbed wishing you had more money. You're not going to want these things. And how many songs and movies deal with the importance of, what's the word I want? Like less tangible things and more relationships and these deeper parts of experience even if they don't know them to be accessing divine they see the importance of it i think there are two important distinctions to make here as well one is that we it, i think it's important to talk about right because it's something that a lot of people just kind of like pass over and it's it's certainly something that i was i passed over a lot a lot of a lot of i think what we're going to talk about today is coming from a book called the fulfillment of all desire by ralph martin would highly recommend reading it uh it's a sort of book where like you start reading it and as i I, i'm reading through it and i'm like man this stuff is so basic like why why is this why are all my friends raving to me about this but the more i read it i'm like wow this stuff is really basic and i'm not doing any of it 
I, <laughs> I, I, I suck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's important because if we if we genuinely desire spiritual growth or at least intimacy with the Lord, these are things that we have to take into consideration and 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 maybe even like an answer to some of maybe like questions that rest on our heart of like why am I sad, uh, you know, or why why. Why do I why do I not feel fulfillment when I feel like I should be feeling fulfillment? So I think it's a, a universal problem, even and maybe even especially among people that are trying to start making some sort of inward or interior journey towards the Lord. And I think another important distinction to make is that it we are not saying, and I don't think that anyone is saying. Well, I guess some people are saying it. We are not trying to fall into like a Gnostic or Manichaeistic mindset here where like the things of the world are bad, like intrinsically bad. And we're also not trying to say that like material possessions are a bad thing, that things, human relationships are a bad thing and that we should only seek what is above, right? At, at, at the expense of everything else, right? We kind of are, but it's more that the things of the world need to be put in their proper place, I think. Yeah, and... Just to kind of echo a little bit, every, every, this is the experience of everybody that, you know, any major recording artist who has a substantial discography and a large amount of fame at some point in their career will always, almost always, I mean, I, I can't go through every single artist, but I have several examples locked and loaded um, that where they, their song is about how they're not happy, that this life has, they have experienced it to the fullest or at least their path that they are on and they find themselves not happy, right? You two, for example, they were one of the most popular bands, probably the most popular band in the world for several years, at least 10 years, probably their most popular song is titled. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. They're all, it's all over the place that whatever you're seeking in this world is, if, if it is solely in this world is going to leave you wanting more. Are to, you know it's 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 fleeting like we talked about i think jumping off of that and especially with a lot of the artists this is one reason i think people might go towards drugs and alcohol where i've spoken with some people who were previously addicted and they talk about the reason things escalate is because you're always trying to up it and you're trying to up it and you're trying to up it so you know that's larger doses or heavier drugs but trying to fill that with an artificial high that you can never reach the top of and you're always just trying to get higher and higher and it's so hard to get out of that i think it's i think it seems like kind of a it seems like a disease right in that sense or like like we know that addiction is a bad thing and that that is typically how it's characterized but even, even that seems to be a twisting of a fundamental truth about the transcendentals themselves and like the any any journey towards goodness it doesn't it doesn't matter whether the the goodness that you're trying to experience right is something artificial and detrimental or something actually good right any any taste of something good or something true or something beautiful in this life is always going to leave you wanting more like that's just the nature of it so i guess i guess that is the question like do we lean more into that and i think if I think if we're leaning into it in the proper way, then yes, we should lean into that, right? We shouldn't be satisfied with the the passing desire. We should we should be constantly seeking more and more and more of 
truth, beauty, and goodness. But again, it has to be with the understanding that none of none of it will never peak this side of death. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of what has to. I think we've talked about it a little bit here and there before. But you know, the argument from desire uh, that C.S. Lewis talks about very beautifully about how one of the biggest proofs of God's existence is the very fact that we have a desire for infinite things, and therefore there must be something infinite that can satisfy that desire. And therefore that must, that must be God. And the difficulty is, I mean, and I don't want to get into the minutia of the argument, whether or not here, because I think this that is, we call God. Yeah. That we call not God. That must be God. That whatever yeah, that, whatever is, that infinite thing. It, uh, and I think like I, I don't want to get into the, like, what is an innate desire? What is not desire? We could get into that whole argumentation another time. I think more so, because especially with the, the, especially with the tone of this episode, I think we just simply say, like, if there is no God, then life is really pointless and pretty miserable because we're faced with the the overall human experience is this fleetingness of the world that our desires can't satisfy you, that no matter how rich or powerful you are, it doesn't make you happier. Uh, if that is a reality, which, again, we could disagree on whether or not it is, but just let's just say let's just take the atheist standpoint right now and say that there isn't God and therefore there is no meaning and this fleetingness of the world is a reality that everybody faces, then life sucks. Like it, it really does because you can, you will forever, forever seek something that cannot fulfill your desire. And like we said, we know, we know that these desire, nothing on earth can satisfy you, right? Tom Brady, when he won a sixth Super Bowl, doesn't have a desire to never win again. Because if, if it was possible to be fulfilled by these earthly desires, we would see people being fulfilled by these earthly desires, right? If you win the Super Bowl, you are the best football. That is the highest level of football competition in the world. You should be satisfied with your football ability. You should not need something else. You can make the argument, well, people have won more Super Bowls, so you want to make sure that you're the one who's won the most. So therefore, Tom Brady, who personally has won more Super Bowls than anybody else, should feel at the end of his desire because he has proven himself to be the most successful football quarterback of all time. And therefore, his desire for winning and things should be go should go away. And it, 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 that isn't the case. When you reach the top of the billboard chart, or theoretically one day when you sell more songs than any other artist in the history of the world, you should be content, but you're not, you never are. And that, that sucks. Like if that is the reality that we're faced in, in life. So I think, I think a lot of, you know, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the arguments of it, but just like, if this is a reality that we, fa that we're faced with, like God is the solution to that. Even, even just not, maybe not, like I said, not in a philosophical or scientific sense, what we're talking about right now, but just like an emotional sense that this is how we approach joy and authentic happiness and um, meaning in life. And like we've kind of talked about, this is the shared experience of the whole human population is when you experience something truly amazing that falls into one of the transcendentals, truth, beauty, or goodness, you know, you never are content with it. You can't look, go, go on a hike and see a, beautiful landscape and think i never need to see a beautiful nature again you don't see a video or listen to a talk or do, read read something that you're like wow that truth just really speaks to my heart i don't need to know any truth ever again you don't go through something you don't experience something virtuous or someone doing something kind for you and think man that's all the goodness i need for the rest of my life it always leaves you wanting more and god gave us these desires because ultimately what we're looking for when, when we are seeking out one of the truth beauty and goodness is we're looking for god we see him in things around us and he gives us this desire that is never satisfied here on earth as a way to find him 
to to know when we're getting closer to him. But that desire that we have, that we feel in those moments, uh, oftentimes kind of translates to like a somberness, a sadness, because we know, even like in our in our innermost being, we know that these things do not last. We see a beautiful piece of nature and we think, oh, it's so beautiful. I feel so like content here. But also there's something that inside of us that says like, but I want more. Like it's a weird feeling of like I'm uncap incapable of truly appreciating what's before me. But yet even still, I want more than this. And this is the shared experience of everybody who's ever experienced any of these transcendentals. And the reality is, is that they were not, because we're seeking after God himself in these things, they cannot satisfy you in the way that God can, in any way that God can. And that obviously is, the, it's very clear in the, the, the bad things, sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll. <laughs> uh, they can't, they obviously cannot satisfy you. And we see very clearly how those lead you down a bad path. But this even goes for not bad things. This goes for sports, work, anything like that. If you put all of your effort into a sport and you get injured or you have to retire or whatever it might be, you're, you're, you won't have fulfillment. If you put it all into your work and you get fired or your company goes bankrupt or whatever it might be. And it even goes for good things. Ultimately, your theoretical relationships, if those of you who are in relationships or if one day when you will be uh, with your girlfriend, with your fiance, with your spouse, with your kids, they cannot satisfy you. Your wife cannot be your God. She is a human being. She is broken. Or your husband, he is a human being. He is broken. And they cannot satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Only God can do that. And when we seek after lesser goods, you will find yourself becoming miserable, even if the, that lesser good is still good. Yes, which I want to jump into a bit of spoilers for the show The Good Place, because it just had its series finale, like, last week. R.I.P which I didn't know was happening, but I was kind of glad because I didn't want it to keep going, but I also didn't want to give up on it. Do you think that this show, The Good Place, is going to sh uh, TV show heaven or TV show hell? <laughs> now that it's dead. Uh, jury's still out. <laughs> but it is spoilers for the finale of the show. I think it would have made a better movie. Watch it if you want to. Anyways. Also, I don't think these spoilers are really going to... They may enhance you even your viewing of it. I don't think it's like... I would think so. But, so what happens in towards the end of this show, the show, for those of you who don't know, is the premise is when you die, you go to either the good place or the bad place. Or the okay place, right? There, there is a neutral place. Yeah. Uh, but there's only one person who lives there, and that was because of extenuating circumstances yeah. dealing with her intention, which actually might also be worth talking about sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the show is about a person who was sent to the good place but she was supposed to be sent to the bad place so she's trying to stay undercover so as not to be sent to the bad place and become tortured and really good place and bad place are heaven and hell if you didn't put that together what? <laughs> and that was uh, subtle as hell so <laughs> subtle as bad place <laughs> <laughs> so throughout the show they're trying to figure out how to stay out of the bad place what is the good place, and all these uh, intricacies. Towards the end of the show, they end up getting to the good place, and everyone there is a zombie. They're just like a happiness zombie, because the thought is, you can only, when you get to heaven, like, I want, they say, I wanted to do 
so many things. I wanted to go-kart with monkeys. Then I wanted to go-kart with giraffes. Then I wanted to, but eventually you go-kart with all the animals all the times, you know, for infinity, you're, you don't need to go-kart anymore. So you do everything you wanted to do on earth and then you just get bored and you turn into this pleasure zombie because there is no sadness or anything. So they end up adding in like a door through which you can walk to cease existence. Enter a different room. Oh, <laughs> cease existence. <laughs> Similar. Uh, so you... And the idea was that knowing that you can end it will give you the ability to enjoy to enjoy the good place while you are there. Which I think, as a side note, that is actually pretty good. I think I do think that part of what makes our, you know, at least our earthly experience, if that's all they think heaven is, is earthly experiences, that makes sense. I, th- I think this, this, this is not a new concept. If anybody thinks they just rocked the world, this was talked about in Greek mythology. The whole point of why Greek gods were envious of humans was because human beings, any moment could be their last, so therefore every moment meant a lot more to them than any. So this is not groundbreaking stuff. This has been the human experience for forever. But then they step into some big problems, I think. Right. So the idea is, and then the finale, we kind of walk through our main characters through, you know, thousands or millions of years or whatever it is, where each of them comes to contentment on on their own terms and then walks through the door so as to cease existing. So we see what different things they think brings them total contentment and then we see them decide that no longer existing is the best course of action because there's nothing left for them to accomplish. And that's problematic. Yes, very problematic, I think. And, you know, hats off to them. They tried their darndest to explain, right? Um, And I think that logically, if you take God out of the equation and more importantly, you take who God really is out of the equation, that makes sense that life would get boring at some point but i think they have a fundamental dis- a misunderstanding of what desire is that when we, we really our desires if we really going back to, it's all going to boil down to the transcendentals no matter which way you walk around this path you're going to the transcendentals truth beauty and goodness that you are desiring those things in an infinite level you are not desiring to play sports you are not desiring going back to the go-kart you are not desiring going go-karting with monkeys you are desiring joy which is a form of goodness or beauty or truth all of them all of the above you are desiring something beyond that and achieving it through something that you can have here you're not going hiking because you like hiking i don't care how much you like hiking you're going hiking because you're seeking after beauty and the goodness of the relationship of the people you're hiking with and all of these things you you are not reading because you like to read you're reading because you're seeking after truth etc i know that may sound simple over simplistic but that is the approach that we as catholics believe and god is infinite truth beauty and goodness so it's the problem is it's not that you have had all your you, like it's boring because there are no desires it's actually the exact opposite of boredom it is impossible to be bored because the reason why we get bored is because i experienced a little bit of beauty in this hike but now i've seen it and now i want beauty again and i can't get it here anymore right i i was a reason why we get bored of video games is i was experiencing i wanted to experience goodness and now I'm bored because I've experienced the goodness that this video game has to offer, and now I can't get it here anymore, so I want it somewhere else. So the fact of the matter is, is God is infinite truth, beauty, and goodness, and he gives that to you, and you experience him, and therefore it that desire is it's, is fulfilled, 
and it never goes away. It cannot like you can never be bored in heaven. It's not it is not filled with things that you can be bored of. It's like essentially the 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 better way to think of it, which again would also be flawed, but that first lap of go-karting with monkeys, how happy you are, how joyful you feel, it's like that and it never goes away. And you could you could say that, oh well that would get boring over time. But no, you have to imagine that it wouldn't get boring over time. Because and we kind of can't, right? We it's can't, not, yeah. We're, we're very limited in this. We're not going to understand it to its fullest, but we can try and access that concept because this is a conversation that I think is part of a good development of trying to come to an understanding of what heaven is. There are a lot of uh, kids, people new to the faith, and people not new to the faith who are just trying to get a good grasp on it. I don't want to reduce it to a childish thing, but it doesn't really make sense because we don't have a concept of not potentially being bored. I think, um, I probably quoted, uh, Narnia on this plenty of times. Maybe I should. (laughs) I don't remember everything I've said. I will say this now though. I think one of the, one of the things that I have read that made me desire heaven the most ah, yes. was the end of the, the, the end of the last oh, battle. I actually yeah. was going to talk about, I was going to bring that up later on. So perfect. So can you stop? No. <laughs> no. So, you know, as, as they're ending, right. As, as the book ends, like the, the series comes to an end, the world of Narnia and the, like the world that they know are coming to an end. I think there's a really beautiful depiction of the last judgment where it's not really it's people sentencing themselves more than Aslan sentencing them. But I mean, he is sentencing them in as much as he has the authority to do so. Right. But it's really, they choose like they see him and either respond with joy or respond with sorrow and hatred of him. But essentially they make it. And I think one of the, right at the beginning as they're walking around just kind of getting used to this new world they come across aslan and he says you don't look as happy as i mean you to be Mm. and and you know they part of it i think is just because they don't understand where they've come but he leads them up this mountain and they they run and they they don't get tired like they can sprint faster and faster and so it's constantly that feeling of like the wind like rushing past and they don't get tired and they start I, I think at one point they like swim up a waterfall which would be <laughs> yeah. sick but they come they come to a new place and it's it's even more beautiful than the last and and the the point that i'm really getting to is this aslan tells them you know you're all as you used to call it dead right but that like the term now is over the holidays have begun the dream has ended this is the morning and he go C.S. Lewis goes on to write, and for us, this is the end of all stories, right? And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after because that's kind of our understanding of it, right? Is is at this point, you know, they live happily ever after, and I think that kind of leads to uh, a mentality of what the good place offers is happily ever after is just kind of I get to do what I want now, and I get I experience kind of this freedom to uh, everything that I could have dreamed of now, right? But we don't even have a concept of of what that means. So he says, you know, for us, this is the end of the story. We, we can't imagine past this point, but it says for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read. 
which goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before. And I think what kind of, I think a way that I've heard it put heaven at least is it's, it's constantly desiring more and then having that desire immediately fulfilled. Right. So you're constantly caught up in this state of just the feeling at the end of, you know, winning the Super Bowl, like Patrick Mahomes will feel today. <laughs> um, I hope <laughs> this for, will for air, you, this, Patrick. This will air tomorrow <laughs> for, <after the> <laughs> for you, Patrick. No, I think it's that feeling of winning the Super Bowl, feeling like the crowd cheering. It's finally fulfilled. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I wish I could win another one. And bang. And An even better. better one. Yeah. Right. That I, I mean, I, again, we don't have the language to describe exactly what that would be like. But I, again, it's not a boring experience to constantly be in a state of having your desire opened up more and then having it immediately fulfilled. And I, I do think I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the philosophical terms of desire and fulfillment that is leading people to this tragic misunderstanding of heaven um because i i i like literally as you read that i get the chills like i got it like four times just because uh it's it's so incredibly beautiful but people say like well it is so boring if all you're doing is winning the super bowl again and again and again and again it's like no you're you don't understand what desire and fulfillment is they're like i would get bored of, i would get bored of pl- doing go-karts with with monkeys not if that was all that if that like des- if that was a desire that was not not fulfilled right what is boredom is when you have a desire that isn't fulfilled so like when the desire is there and to have it immediately fulfilled and then a better desire and have that immediately fulfilled you can't get bored of it right because the problem with that analogy with the super bowl is people say like so you're just winning the super bowl over and over again is like you're not understanding the point it's not that you're just winning the super bowl over and over again it's that what you desire is not lacking i think uh, um you know c.s lewis also in his essay the weight of glory talks about how all of it is just a taste. It's a taste of what is to come. It's like being on the outside of the door and final and everything we understand. So even to say winning the Super Bowl is just a taste. And who who wouldn't get tired of just a little bitty taste of 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 the thing, right? To it it's to drink fully of what the taste is is offering or what it what it hints at, right? You you no one is ever satisfied with just the appetizer if we're going to really reduce this <laughs> like you you taste or like that like 250 fifty dollar bottle of wine which is and that's even shooting low right two thousand dollar bottle of wine three thousand no one no one tastes four thousand dollar four thousand one dollar bottle of wine. no one who actually appreciates wine right and tastes something that good is ever satisfied with just the taste right i there's again the language runs out here there's yeah. there's no further that we can describe this but it's you could probably get the image well i'm going to further describe it because i think <laughs> one of the one of, one of the underappreciated lines of that that the, i almost called them verses oh my gosh the chronicles of narnia is not the bible people <laughs> in chronicles of narnia, in the book of narnia book seven <laughs> chapter six verses one through ten <laughs> no that's bad um, but in in what you just read, where where it says the dreaming is over, the morning has begun. This is what we need to understand as a Christian. Is that this life is a dream, 
in the sense that it is not the, the greatest reality. These the way we experience the transcendentals are fleeting on this earth. They are shadows of what they are. They cannot satisfy who you are. God is the reality, right? If God drops out of existence, all of the earth drops out of existence. All of everything drops out of existence, right? This is, he is more real than what we experience on this earth. He is the reality. When we, and when we experience them slightly here, it is like a dream in the sense where um, we try to make sense of it. It's not fully satisfies our desire. And then we wake up from the dream. And ideally, if we strive after him, we get to experience him forever in the, ne in the next life. Because the reality is, is we are infinite beings as well. Right? We, we are not infinitely powerful, but our souls will live on forever. And we are infinite beings that have the capability to experience infinite because we, we are trapped in a finite world. This is like an animal doesn't experience what we're talking right here. An animal doesn't experience a lack of desire being fulfilled if his infant, his actual needs are met. But we do. We do experience that because we are infinite beings trapped in a finite world. And so, like we said, it isn't again, it's not a dream, but in a way it is that in the sense I mean that it's a dream in the sense that God is a greater reality, that he is the reality. Basically, I want you to think of the biggest dream you can, then double it. <laughs> St. Kevin of St. Kevin Malone of Scranton. <laughs> Patron Santa sandwiches. I would say hopefully this at this point we have posed the problem, right? That we're trapped in a finite world, right? Everything that we're experiencing is going to is going to lack what we want. One last thing that I would like to talk about before we kind of transition into probably more practical advice on how to rid this out of your life is I think there is a problem in our society where we try to achieve paradise here on this earth. I think we see it a lot in particularly politics that we believe that if so-and-so gets elected or so and such and such policy is put into place, we can achieve a certain level of paradise here on earth that will make life perfect for everyone. And I think that ultimately that isn't the case. I think that human nature is broken. I think that sin is a reality in the world and it doesn't really matter who gets elected it doesn't really matter what policies are put into place you will never achieve ultimate paradise now that's not to say that it doesn't matter who is elected that doesn't mean that we need to be okay with injustices being done but i think that if we look at the lives of the saints they had an understanding of this they understood that the world was fleeting and that this isn't what matters the most and people will maybe fall into the the vice of that mindset where they say well therefore if this world doesn't matter then nothing matters what you do on this earth. But I think if you have a healthy understanding that this world is not the end, that paradise isn't, isn't really possible to be achieved here on earth, that it gives you purpose all the more because it makes you attentive to things that you can actually accomplish. It makes you attentive to the individual because I think the problem of the mindset of well, you can achieve paradise here on earth, it makes people do really bad things. If paradise is something that can be achieved here on earth, you know, paradise in quotation marks, then we need to do everything we can to get there at the expense of whoever. I think the the, na the natural outcome of this mindset is the, the betterment of the mass at the expense of the individual. And I'm not even just talking about necessarily communism, which is obviously like the, the overall mindset of the communists is, is that. But I, I'm talking about like in all senses of the world, word. 
people just kind of become statistics at that point that, you know, and it's hard when like, if somebody is in favor of the second amendment, they, they almost like want there to be a shooting that is stopped by somebody with a gun who has a concealed carry or in, and conversely, if you are against the second amendment, it almost like you want there to be a shooting that isn't that, that, you know, by somebody who, whatever got through the system or whatever it is, because then they become, they can come forward your idea, your policies. And I think that that is very toxic, obviously. Um, and a lot of what the individual, the individuals become statistics and therefore they don't matter because you are a person who has a differing opinion than me. And therefore you're in my way to achieve paradise here on earth. And I will do whatever I have to. I'll make you look dumb. I will call you ignorant. I will tell you lies about you in order to prevent you from stopping me from reaching what I view to be paradise. I mean, pretty much the mindset of every dictator that's ever existed. But the saints, on the other hand, they knew that this world, you couldn't accomplish everything here. And so they paid close attention to the individual. They co paid close attention to God that I think they, they understood and they believed, and this is what we are called to, that although I may never be able to get you who are listening to experience complete happiness here on earth, I can help you experience eternal happiness in heaven that you have value because this world is fleeting not because your value is in removing the fleetingness of this world your value is found in the fact that your life extends beyond this world and i think c.s lewis talks about this in the weight of glory where he expresses that everybody who you meet will either go to heaven or hell one day you've, he says you've never had a conversation a conversation with an ordinary person you have never spoken to a mere mortal we aren't mortal. You are immortal. You have a, either will either go to heaven or hell one day. And like my interactions with you, with the person at the coffee shop is not just you are a person standing in my way of achieving paradise here on earth. You are a person who I can help or hurt their chances of going to heaven. And that is very important. I think there's a key distinction here in the practicality of how this translates into, into your life that if you view that these, if you don't have a, a firm understanding that happiness here on earth is fleeting, then you won't emphasize and push people to achieve eternal happiness and ultimately find God and ultimately go to heaven where all their desires will be fulfilled. Does that make sense? Yes. And that makes me think of the old saying of penny wise and pound foolish coming from the British term, right? So penny wise and dollar foolish is that we grip so tightly and we work so hard to keep and value our pennies that we have here on earth that we're not being wise and we're being foolish with the dollars that are promised in heaven so we're focusing so tight on here what is fleeting what is less than and not keeping in mind the more than that is available to us and to those around us so Hopefully at this, well, I, and that's maybe, all the time maybe, we have folks. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Hopefully, maybe that's not what I should say. It is possible that you listener at home are in a similar place. Well, you are, it is, you are in a similar place. No mindset <laughs> are in a similar place to where, um, anyone who has read the fulfillment of all desire has probably come to at this point in the book or anyone who's ever like sat down and contemplated this has ever come to, you know, Yes, I we we recognize that we have an infinite desire. We have also recognized that that desire is not going to be fulfilled here and we shouldn't try and fulfill it here. We also shouldn't try and liken our experience of 
goodness, truth, and beauty here to heaven and try and try and place our thought about that into a box or something. And, and then also to make the most of the time that we have here. So I guess that becomes a question now, right? Is, is we're left in this place. I recognize a multitude of problems with placing my hope into earthly things. Uh, how do I stop? I think again, why is it important to stop is it's, it's sneakier, right? Than I think any of the big picture examples that maybe come to, ha- to mind right away. You know, I, you know, I'm not putting all my, all my hope into sports. No, I don't think I'm putting all of my hope and salvation into my relationship or my spouse. Uh, I don't think I'm putting all my hope of accomplish into a comp- like personal accomplishment. Okay. So we're not doing that. That's a good, that's good. Right. But how can it be better? And why does it need to be better? I think, and again, this is not coming from me. So I shouldn't have said, I think I should have said, I read uh, <laughs> that John of the cross, who is much more spiritually in tune than myself. I don't know. I see a lot of similarities. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, some things that he says and some things that he has to write about it. It is much sneakier than I think we give credit to. And it, it what he says is that it kind of starts to build upon itself. So it, it'll start with small things, right? Uh, I'd rather today watch the Super Bowl than pray a holy hour, right? Or I'd rather, you know, I was, I had plans to, you know, maybe go to the chapel or I had plans to just kind of take the night in and to self-reflect, but I was, I was invited out and I think I'll have a good time, right? So it's these goods that kind of come in and start to compete with, with the higher good. And it almost seems harmless, right? Because uh, there will be time later to pray. There will be time later to take that time for myself or uh, whatever it is that I need. So what ends up happening after that is I go and experience those good things. And I am I am now, in a sense, placing those as a higher priority, right? Now, in my mind, it's not a higher priority to me. But I have suddenly now placed it as a higher priority. Uh, for me... Personally, it is it is spending time with people. Uh, I have a really hard time saying no uh, when I am invited to go do something. And also for me, it's music because I very much enjoy listening to music, whatever it is. And it got to the point where anytime I got into the car, because this is where it happens most, especially is in the car. Anytime I got into the car, I had to put music on. Right, it was the it was my first instinct. I the car would start. I would plug in my phone, put music on, and once I was satisfied with the music that was playing, then I could begin to drive. And for a long time, I had been going to the chapel, thinking, "Man, I like I want to love you more. I want to, um, I want to, and you know, hit this point in the book that I'm reading. I want to start to let go of the things of this world more. How do I start to let go? And I, you know, I think a key sign that something is becoming a priority over God is when the thought of giving it up is repulsive, right? Or we start to kind of defend it because ultimately listening to music in the car is a, it could be a good thing, right? It could be a beautiful drive and it could be enhanced by the music, but it's also not, it doesn't really feel like it carries that much weight, right? 
Why can't I listen to music in the car? Why can't I go out with my friends? You know, why can't I play another hour of video games? Why can't I stay out here and keep practicing or keep lifting in the gym? Why can't I do these things that I enjoy that are good? What he describes is that it starts off with it becomes a priority and then it becomes I, I am now likening that that joy. I'm now seeking that joy instead of a spiritual joy, right? And then and then you end up running into a problem like Alec was describing with the good place, right? You're running into a problem where I am assimilating temporal goods with spiritual goods. I am now, when I get into the car and I, I listen to a song that's like super hype or super beautiful, whatever it is, I am now assimilating the joy that that gives me to joy that I experience in the Lord, right? And it's not, it's not the same thing. So the danger in that is I, I start to become bored of spiritual things. And then all of a sudden I am bored of the spiritual life in general, right? Because the goodness, the truth, the beauty that seems to exist there, I assimilate as being just as fleeting as the goodness that I have assimilated it to. So that's the danger in it. And I guess in a practical sense, what it comes down to is uh, I would, especially in prayer, just take it before the Lord. And if there is something that keeps coming up, because for me, it was music. It was music in the car, right? It kept coming up and I kept ignoring it because I didn't want to, right? It didn't feel like it carried enough weight for me to actually put anything into action. And it also didn't feel uh, like I wanted to. A couple days ago, I decided that I was going to stop. And I'll tell you, not <laughs> like it was detrimental, not only spiritually, but also a little bit physically. I tried driving without music on. And I was like nervous. I, and I started having all these like super weird conversations with myself. And full disclosure, I, I started filling the space by singing myself. And I don't have a super good voice. But it was like whatever was coming to mind was just starting to fill the space of, of the, the solitude, the quiet. Um, I made it halfway through the door of the Explorer theme song before I realized that's what I was singing. I Like literally anything that was coming to my mind was just coming out and thank you for your vulnerability oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely um but i was i i started i felt like i was driving worse right and and I, my ability to drive should not be contingent upon that right so it was starting to ingrain itself in a in a deeper way than it should and i will say that even just after having given it up for a couple days I do feel clearer and I do feel like my mind is more focused on the Lord because I, I ultimately was sacrificing, you know, however long I'm in the car for 20 minutes, 30 minutes in between things that could be kind of a mental reset or could be a turning back to the Lord. Uh, I was sacrificing that for kind of a, a mental numbness, which again, I was beginning to assimilate as a spiritual good. And so when I wasn't experiencing that, when, be, when I became bored, with that, I would I would almost I would try to start listening to praise and worship music, and I would get bored of it super quick, and I I would feel like oh man now now praise and worship is just you know is whatever. So, I guess that's all experiential from me. It's also you know, sprinkle in a little John on the cross, but I think what my hope for you right from this is is that you stop assimilating these temporal goods, right? That you can kind of come to see where in your life temporal goods are taking a priority and you can stop. 
because ultimately what you find is that your enjoyment of the temporal goods increases when that's not what you're seeking. When you're when it's in line with what it should be, you're going to get more out of life because you're going to know that that's not your ultimate fulfillment. So it's almost kind of just like a nice little gift. Like, oh, I didn't even need this. But now but you gave it to me anyways. So something to be thankful for. Yeah. And, yeah. Did you have another thought? Well, no, other than that, it was just going to be to say that you know, that, that like your life can be more focused on the Lord. And if you feel like you've hit a, a point of being stalled out, right, this might be the first place to look is, is, you know, I feel like I'm trying my hardest, but I don't feel like I'm getting any closer. It might just be I need a little readjustment in in very minor things. Yeah, because there's there's so much there and that is that is so beautiful i think john the john of the cross talks about how like these temporal goods should only be done in so much that they serve god right and serve your path to god and it's almost like these temporal goods are a conduit with that help us like get to him and understand what they are you know you can think of like the hot wheels tracks like the little the little the spinning tire things that like launch the car forward that's like they help us but if it's not launching you towards the Lord, then it's, then they're pointless because, and again, they, they, they start to take the place where, and you look at the events that like, yeah, you're driving at some point, right. You, you want to experience you, well, you said, I think there's times where the music enhances the drive or the moment and you are with a group of friends and you're singing and it's good. Um, or maybe it's a music that put, is helping you feel an emotion that you need to work through or whatever it is. All of that is good. Or maybe you just genuinely need some leisure time. The problem is, is I think more more often than not, people who listen to music in the car, it's probably because they don't want to think and because they are incapable of thinking. And uh, that's a problem. Or, you know, like alcohol, like a conversation among friends. You know, a beer amongst us would, would add to this conversation right now. It would add to this experience that we're all sharing. So why aren't we? So why? <laughs> but House yeah. rules, and I say no beer. <laughs> so whiskey then. So... But if it's something that you were relying on as a crutch that is holding you back from something else, then it, then it's obviously a problem. And I think there's a lot there is we struggle with with all of this and we don't actually think that like our life will be better if we start to live this way. We think that these temporal goods is all we have. We don't believe that intimacy with the Lord is something that we can accomplish. And I believe that we we think that so much that we don't even really we're not even really convinced we want it anymore. We don't we actually think that a life of binge watching Netflix and playing video games in excess and going out with your friends on the weekends and then going to work, listening to music in the car is the life that we want, that that's the life that's going to fulfill us, but it isn't. And all those things will, will, will wash up. Man, I think that we oftentimes lack the faith to understand that what John of the cross is talking about here, what Cody of the cross is just mentioning <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Like, Please go if on. you could design your own saint, you would not want to. You do not want to take the John of the Cross route. <laughs> um, but what they're talking about is that this is the reality, and it will make you happier. But you got to let it go, right? I mean, Christianity is all about giving up ten units of happiness to get a hundred units back. Yeah, this uh, came up on just a daily reflection. It said, St. Ambrose said, He took what is mine in order that he might impart to me what is his. He took it not to overturn it, but to fill it. Mm. Yeah. 
that is so incredibly beautiful. And that's the experience of, of, of the holy life that it's not easy, but you will be happier. But you, you know, you have to purge these. That's why it's called the purgative state. The pur- is it purge purgative. or pur- purgative? Purgative. 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 The purgative <laughs> state of the prayer life, um, because it burns. You are purging the w- away the things that we are too attached to. Um, and you know, I always, I always joke with people that like with my the students, like if you, if you, any, we live in such a clickbait culture that if we were to title this episode "Surefire Way to Become Saints," like, I mean, hopefully, I, I would hope that our viewership would see past that but a lot of like for people that is like what they want to hear and i've got a surefire way read the fulfillment of desire and apply that with the things that it talks about into your life the problem is is we're not actually looking for surefire ways we're looking for easy ways we're looking for like oh like oh my gosh if i just make this one tiny change to my life you're telling me i can be holy like you know you're telling me if i just wear this lap band i'll have abs you're telling me that like if i just take this diet pill i'm going to lose weight we're not looking for surefire. Do you want a surefire way to lose weight? Eat less, exercise more. <laughs> Problem solved. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, we're not looking for surefire. We're looking for easy. And this stuff that we're talking about is very difficult. And I struggle with it a lot. Cody's just talking about he struggles with it a lot. Alec doesn't have struggles, but um, I'm the best at not having struggles. <laughs> <laughs> but in this sense, that's its own cross. You know, it's a heavy, heavy weight to carry. <laughs> So uh, keep keep trying, and we will as well. Nice.